Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. Okay, well, welcome back, everybody, to Bitcoin Roundtable. Um, we're back here for week 63, and I'm here with Darren and Libby. Hello. And we have a special guest on today, and his name is Justin Moon. Justin, welcome to Bitcoin Roundtable. Hello. Great to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. From what I'm able to see, you do a lot of work with people who want to learn how to do coding with Bitcoin. Is that correct, Justin? Or can you shed yeah, a little more light on that? I've been class for about six months. I've been doing it only like maybe three months full time. It's called Biddle Bootcamp at the moment. The, the, the name may change. I'm getting very sick of saying the word Biddle. Uh, <laughs> nobody knows how to pronounce it, so it's not, it's not the best name. But, uh, but yeah, the class is about Bitcoin programming. It's... Uh, Basically, how, how the Bitcoin protocol works, you know, why Bitcoin is designed the way it is, why you why you can't get away with a simpler design, uh, how private keys work, how networking works. Uh, so it's a fun kind of like tour of all these different technologies that go into Bitcoin, and, and many of them go into the internet as well. So it's uh, I try to teach all the building blocks that you need to be a successful uh, Bitcoin developer. Right. And how, how has it been going so far? Have you had some good response to that? There's, there's kind of a precursor. When I got into Bitcoin, I would go to, I went to a couple of conferences and I'd meet people there who wanted to, who were like me, who, you know, uh, a little wet behind the ear, didn't really know what was going on, but were eager to learn. And so uh, every weekend we'd get together uh, on a video call and some of these people were in Europe, one of them was in New Zealand. We found a time and so every week we'd get together and I'd basically share what I learned. I did that for like two months, uh, just uh, sharing whatever little Bitcoin technical things I learned and gave them some like coding examples. Then I did like a free class uh, that was supposed to be like Biddle Bootcamp. And I actually got so much demand that it, it, it was just too many people. It was like 300 people. And so I decided, okay, well, there's demand for it. Uh, I went to start try to do it full time. Yeah, so I've had 100 people go through the class. It's quite intensive. Like, you know, it takes one to two months, depending on how quickly you go through it. And, uh, you know, part time, maybe like 10, 20 hours a week. Yeah, it's, it's very hands on. Like, uh, so, yeah, we've, we've had a bunch of a bunch of positive feedback. Uh, a, bunch, uh, a number of the former students have gone on to make contributions to real projects in the community. And so, yeah, it's, it's just getting started, but I think the, it's been a pretty, it's been surprising how uh, well received it's been. Yeah, I mean, you know, up till now, I've, the, I guess the, uh, the programming side of Bitcoin has always been kind of like a, a very high level, almost yeah. kind of an unattainable thing Black to hole. get to for the, for the average person, right? <laughs> like, I don't know, it's interesting that you're offering that. I, I can see where the, the compelling aspect would be. Well, that's what, when I started it, I, I expected it would mostly be programmers who signed up, and uh, I was surprised that most people who signed up were not programmers, they were hodlers, yeah. who were very interested in Bitcoin, and Bitcoin basically made them made them become interested in programming and software for the first time. Their interest in Bitcoin was driving them to learn about programming and software, right. uh, mostly, I think, because they wanted to understand their own investment better. Yes. Uh, which is very, it's a good, responsible thing to do. So I, I thought I'd be teaching programmers about Bitcoin. I, it turned out that I was teaching Bitcoiners about programming. But I think it's actually a better tactic because if you teach programmers about Bitcoin, they, they won't actually go and work on Bitcoin. They'll go work on, as I call them, shitcoins. And uh, they won't actually help Bitcoin because you can make more money outside of Bitcoin. So if you teach hodlers about programming, 
they'll actually go and work on Bitcoin because that's where their investment is. Uh, it's notoriously difficult to find fund uh, Bitcoin development, right? It's huh. oh, yes. very, very different. And if you can use an individual's own incentives, I think that's a, a good way to do it. Now, I am not really a programmer. I've dabbled in some areas. I'm, I do a lot more... Uh, the website of programming like PHP and uh, a lot yeah. of backend database SQL stuff but I guess I'm I'm curious like when you say you teach them about you know the core aspects of Bitcoin programming like the network and the blockchain and all that does it then allow um, someone who's taken your class to dive deeper into say for example they want to make um, a lightning wallet for a their iPhone or something like that. Uh-huh. Would it would it be safe to say that your programming or your Bitcoin programming class kind of is a gateway into that realm? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the one of the guys who made who joined my first my first little group of people, he made a, a browser wallet. It was called like uh, Bitcoin on browser or something. It's just a small thing on GitHub. Uh, but yeah, he he did that. I think it has Lightning as well. So it's it's pretty pretty interesting another guy was making some command line wallet stuff uh so yeah there but not a lot with lightning yet so currently i only do it's only like bitcoin the base layer okay and i think probably at the beginning of may i'm going to start a, 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 a lightning class i think over time you have sort of two classes of developers people that work directly with the base the base layer yeah. uh, and then people who work at sort of higher layers and uh that's like what happened with the web yeah. where you know most Web developers, they don't really know how the actual internet itself works, how the bytes, like raw bytes, raw ones and zeros are sent across wires. Yes. Uh, and they don't need to. That's the beauty of it. So yeah. they don't need to, and so they can just focus on making really nice websites. And I think over time, it'll probably be something a little more similar to that with uh, with Bitcoin, where you'll have higher layers where you can like trade risk and do these do, do various financial things, loans and that sort of thing, without, without having to deal with the Bitcoin blockchain too directly. Right. And I think that'll be a good thing. So that's how my class is going to sort of separate out into the base layer, you know, which is more the fundamentals and then the higher level stuff, which is maybe a little easier to build applications. So, so the big question is, how are you going to find the time for all of this? <laughs> I, know, I mean, you just got to take it one bite at a time. I mean, I've, I already got the Bitcoin class basically figured out. It's, you know, we're on like our fourth iteration of it right now. And I pretty much got that down, and then uh, yeah, I'll go go to the lightning class. I mean, I uh, sometimes I wonder if I should like hire people to help me, but I mean, I think it, yeah, it's not that hard to design a class in like three months, and then you know put it yeah. out there. It's it's working. I don't know. So for uh, our listeners out there that uh, are interested in possibly taking this class, what what kind of computer knowledge do you are would you like them to have before they even come to you? It's like I am not a huge Oh, um, oh, Vince is a great example here. Well, I don't want to be the great example, but I'm, I, I don't have a great knowledge of computers and almost zero knowledge of any kind of coding. Yeah. Uh, you know, can, can I come in as a beginner and start taking your course, or would I be lost off the start? Yeah, so I recommend one prerequisite, which is like a, an introduction to programming course in Python. So. If your listeners want to Google search Solo Learn, S-O-L-O-L-E-A-R-N, and then just space Python, it'll it'll show you, it'll bring up a really nice free online course uh, that teaches you the basics of programming in the Python language. So Python is a 
it's a very it's very popular because it's very simple. When yeah. you look at the code, it looks it looks kind of like an outline, or it looks it's easier to look at compared to you know like C which is used for Bitcoin <laughs> Core. Uh, that code can be very cryptic and difficult to understand. So okay. that's why Python is a popular language. One of the reasons it became popular, but it's also widely used. You know, the back end for Instagram is in Dropbox or largely written in Python. Uh, the uh, Actually, the firmware for Trezor and cold card wallets is largely Python. Uh, the, Electrum, uh, the Electrum wallet, which is one of the more popular Bitcoin wallets, is written in Python. So it's a good first language. And so this class, the solo learn class, will, will basically hold your hand through all the basics. And it's nice because it's all in the browser. It's all in your web browser. So you don't have to go and download a bunch of stuff. It, it makes it so you can get started without having to learn a lot about computers, to your question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so once you get a hang of this, then somebody's interested. You know, you could send me a message on Twitter. I'm very available. You search Justin Moon and you'll find me. I'll kind of discuss what your options are, maybe give you another assignment or two, or you can take the class and give it a shot. People get a refund if they don't like the class. So uh, that's one way. I, I encourage people that if they think they're borderline, just sign up and give it a try. If they don't like it, they can just get their money back or okay. you, know, you can take it in the future month. So I try to make it so if, if pe- you know people can just give it a shot. So far, very few people have, two people have asked for their money back out of 100. So Oh, that's great. So far, oh, it's been impressive how many beginners have actually really succeeded. It's been surprising. Hmm. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, perhaps some of it has to do with the fact, as you mentioned, that they are actually hold, holders of the Bitcoin. And yeah, they're that, very motivated. <laughs> you know, I think Andreas, uh, in his some of his speeches recently, he talks more about, you know, encouraging um, people who, um, you know, are either interested or holding Bitcoin or want to, you know, increase the uh, absorption rate of Bitcoin. Um, saying the bottleneck is really in um, the usability apps that are available yep. out there. And, you know, if everyone tried to strive for improving and making things, the usability a little more simpler, I guess, I don't know, and, or yeah, practical. There's a, few, there's a few vectors where it's, Bitcoin is hard to use. Uh, you know, like truly holding Bitcoin is two things. You know, first off, you need to own the key, right? Yeah. If Coinbase actually has the key, your private key, yeah. you don't really own Bitcoin. You own like a Coinbase token, right? If, well, if well I found Bitcoin, I found that out personally. You never see that token. I, I found that out through Quadriga. Uh, <laughs> oh, did you? Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's not. It's sort of like a financial instrument that is Bitcoin denominated, but it's not actually Bitcoin. Right. That's right. You you have uh, you have some level of trust in this third party, Quadrigo or Coinbase, right? Yeah. And so the whole point of Bitcoin is it's, it's trust minimized. You don't actually have to trust any one group to facilitate transactions like you do if it's on an exchange. And the second thing you need to do, you know, like once you have your key, well, how, how do you actually know what, what the balance is on that, on your key? How many know, how do you know how many Bitcoins you have? Uh, if to really use Bitcoin, you want to be able to figure this out yourself That's without right. having to trust someone else right because you could look it up on blockchain.info or somewhere else but there's like two problems with that first off you're trusting that they tell you the truth yeah uh and you know some of these groups have you know when there's a a, a, a blockchain fork they, they they might try to push you in one direction that's right so you know it's it's a little risky uh 
And then also, you, you give up your privacy by Googling uh, your, your key. wallet yeah. number, your, you know, your IP address is associated right. with your, you know, whatever transaction or whatever address you're looking at. And right. basically, they know which coins you own now. So you give up a lot of privacy. You don't want people to see what the balance is of your bank account, right? Nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody expects you to give up your balances to your bank account like willy-nilly. And so in Bitcoin, you shouldn't do the same thing. You shouldn't do that as well. So the answer is you run your own full node that can validate the, the transactions themselves. So these two things, owning the, the, the key itself and then having a full node which can validate the balances that are associated with your private key, these are the two things that you really need to learn in Bitcoin. And it's, and it's still pretty crappy. Like I saw a thread today on Twitter, you know, what's the simplest way to set up a two of three multi-sig address or uh, account? Uh, two or three multi-sig, meaning so you could create three different wallets, and in order to move the coins, you'd have to have two of the wallets give a thumbs up to approve the transaction. And all three of these wallets would be controlled by you. The point is that you can put them in maybe three different buildings, and if one of the buildings burns down, you can still move your Bitcoin, right? right. If, you're, if you have one key and it's in a building that burns down, you're, you know your Bitcoin's gone. So there's a threat about this, and you know there wasn't there aren't really good beginner-friendly ways to set this up, That's and right. it's a known best practice, and it's still hard. So, so I, I totally agree. You need you need a lot more people becoming Bitcoin application developers and uh, building more usable tools for the next wave of adoption. Just more people trying to protect their own interests, really. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. If you look at if you look at great, uh, you know great institutions, they're, they're always built on uh, a clever alignment of incentives, right? Where everybody sort of rows in the same direction. And, and mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to get that, you know, like the default is not that. The default is everybody pulls in their own direction and it's chaos. So yeah, we, I think we need a little bit more, you know, we can improve this in, in Bitcoin and, you know, look, look for other places where people figured out how to get incentives to align. and. Uh, and yeah, just looking at self-interest, like what, what, where, who, who is really motivated to improve this? The hodlers, you know, I think they're underutilized. Yeah, yeah, no, hmm. I'd agree. Uh, interesting. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your history on Bitcoin. Um, when did you first get involved in it? I mean, let's look at the last year. What has happened with you and Bitcoin? Yeah, so actually, I think a year ago, what time, what did, what's the March? It's early March right now, or mid-late yeah. March? Yep. Uh, so yeah, that, about a year ago, I was still, I was just starting to get interested in it, actually. And I've been aware of it for a very long time. Uh, but I, I just didn't think that it would ever become, I didn't think it could become, it didn't seem like it would become mainstream. It seemed too niche, so I never really looked into it. And then only in the bull market last year did, uh, I kind of had to question that belief because very normal people were starting to get interested in it and mm-hmm. actually believed that it was viable. You know, it was on CNBC, which I thought was crazy. And so, so yeah, I, I kind of lo- looked into it a little closer and, uh, so yeah, maybe around like May of last year, I read this book, The Bitcoin Standard, uh, which is really a good, uh, it's a good uh, introduction to monetary history. Yes. And it explains a value proposition for Bitcoin that actually made sense to me, yeah. meaning it's just like a scarce asset and that throughout the entire history of human you know, civilization, um, before we had civilization, people would just choose the scarcest thing and just nominate that as, as money. Uh, yeah, right. The reason is you kind of had a guarantee against creation of more of that and uh, yeah. a guarantee against being diluted, whatever you tried to store with that being diluted. 
and that you know it only went away because governments basically were able to outlaw it. Bringing back the sort of core civilizational technology, just a simple store of value, I think. I sort of, sort of saw that as a value proposition that actually made sense. You know, like having some censorship-resistant thing didn't seem to me like a really important thing. Like most people don't really need that. You know, most people don't need smart contracts on the blockchain or any of these, all these types of things that I had heard about that always seemed stupid to me. Uh, this one finally actually made sense, and it was presented in a way that wasn't like crazy gold bugs. You know, usually you hear gold bugs talking about this, and they they seem just really deranged. So yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. seems more reasonable and uh, and more aligned with the, where the world is going. Uh, and so, so yeah. After I learned about that, I mean, you know, you see all these places in, in society where, you know, a store of value would just improve things, right? Like, you know, college degrees. In a sense, college degrees are like a store of value, a store of status. You know, if you if you get some status and you want to pass it on to your kids, the best way is to, you know, go spend two hundred thousand dollars on a ridiculous certificate uh, for your kid. <laughs> It probably doesn't get much out of it, but like it confers a degree of status, and uh, and you know we, we see these like scandals that have been happening in the U.S. People are you know paying a million dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, just to you know as bribes in order to pass status onto their kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you thought with the housing bubble in two, the two thousands, right? You know, it's like they don't have a good place to store their money, so they're they just put it in houses, you know, start using houses as money. You see it with uh, you know large companies will use like treasuries. They basically use government debt. That's like one of the ironies of Warren Buffett uh, criticizing Bitcoin is because like you know he criticizes it because it's a non-productive asset. Meanwhile, he he's one of the largest buyers of U.S. treasuries, which are also an extreme. I, I would say they're a counterproductive asset. They just allow they're they're a facility to allow the federal government to uh, inflate its deficit endlessly. So it's like, I don't know, it's kind of like, you see all these places where a, just a simple store of value would, would improve things. You know, the government mm-hmm. couldn't run up deficits as much. You know, you, you'd have less of these ridiculous college, you know, this explosion of college debt and expenses. You'd have less housing bubbles. There's, there's a lot of places where this could improve things. So, yeah, I, I kind of learned about these things and decided it, it made sense. I went and took Jimmy Song's class, which is great. It's called programming blockchain. It's a little more, it's sort of for programmers, it's a little more advanced than the class I teach now. Yeah. Uh, it covers a lot of the math, and that just was recently kind of uh, polished and put out as a book called Programming Bitcoin, which is also great if you're, you know, you kind of want to be a programmer beforehand to try that book. And so, yeah, then I, I just started like teaching some free classes and just reading a lot. And then this Biddle Bootcamp thing happened, and somehow I got 100 people to sign up send me money and start taking my class and they're from all over the world you know like yeah. i went to we went to a, a a conference in london a couple like a month ago called advancing bitcoin yeah and uh i think about you know about 10 percent of the conference was my students it was like 100 people at the conference and like 11 of them were my students Is that, wow uh, <laughs> hey yeah, that, you know that's that's uh, a great sign thing happened at the mit bitcoin conference one of the, the actually the organizer is one of my students hugo you know, a couple other people were, were students, you know, like people would just walk up to me at conferences and say like, hey, I'm so-and-so in the Slack group. We have a Slack group for our class. And it's like, whoa, wow, okay, cool. Like, you know, with my, I don't ask for any identifying information from them. I just ask for a payment. 
Yeah. And they never have to, and an email address if I can contact them. So, like, I don't know most of their names or their genders or anything. They, they can reveal it if they choose to, but, so yeah, it's, it's funny. They, these just strangers will walk up to me, and it's like, I know them really well. I've worked with them on the Internet, but I never actually figured out who they were in real life. So yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a, a fun thing, and I, hopefully it'll continue. And, uh, yeah, so I started doing some in-person workshops. I went down and did, did a little workshop in Miami with a, in, in parallel with the North American Bitcoin Conference. And it was sort of hosted by this ATM company called BitStop, Bitcoin ATM company. Yeah. And that was cool. I taught a bunch of their student or a bunch of their employees uh, and uh, had a couple other people sign up on the Internet. and going to go to a couple corporate things like that with some of the, I don't think I'm supposed to say the names yet, but some of the really big... Bitcoin companies. Yeah. You know, gonna do gonna start doing a little more of that in the coming months. Uh, and I also run a meetup. I run the Austin Bitcoin Developer Meetup, which was a fun journey. Like the first month I did it, like four people showed up, and I just gave a really crappy presentation. Uh, but it was cool because they had, two of the people were like at least really thirsty for a community of Bitcoin developers, and uh, I did another one. I think four or five people showed up, and did a few more. And now, now you know, at the last one. At the last Bitcoin developer meetup, we had Tur Demeester, you know, probably the most renowned Bitcoin economist. He lives in Austin. Yeah. Jimmy Song, right? Probably the, one of the more well-known Bitcoin developers. Yeah. You know, Bitstein from Twitter. He's a hardcore Bitcoin maximus carnivore type. <laughs> uh, a bunch of people like uh, there's, you know, the company that hosts it, it's Unchained Capital. So, so that, that's been fun. And for your listeners, if you want to get into Bitcoin, I think the best way to do it is start a little community start a little local group get give some little real basic talks and you know people come out of the woodwork to join because a lot of a lot of bitcoiners are isolated they they think this thing's world-changing but nobody in their everyday life shares that opinion and when they try to convince their friends they alienate them so if you can if you can put together a little community where you live or you know do something like a podcast where you can where you know people can kind of opt in based on their interest, you don't have to convince people who don't care, uh, I think that could be a really positive thing and help these communities sort of stay, stick together and grow. A lot of learning is required to, I think, operate successfully in this new this new system called Bitcoin. You know, there's a lot we need, you need to do to learn, right? Yes, I'd agree. Yeah, and I, th- I think you uh, pretty much uh, called it right there when you are talking about setting up your own little communities, because... When I really think about it, I really know the people who we interview and Darren, the rest well, of my locally, family, yeah. yeah, locally, right? On that local level where I can just sit around and have a beer and chat with somebody about it, it, it doesn't really exist. Yeah. The opt-in side of it that you mentioned is definitely key, right? I'm I'm done trying to convince people that outside of the podcast, like friends and such, I don't talk about Bitcoin because right. it's already been kind of... Yeah, you're just going to piss people off. Yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. And I think the majority of people have already made up their minds whether they like it or not. And if they like it, you're going to know about it. Yeah. That's great, great ideas. Uh, I love what you're doing. To me, I mean, (laughs) programming in Bitcoin, I mean, that that seems like a a very proposition that has excellent return value. If I had a kid, I'd probably send him send him off to do that instead of college. Because yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, to me, that's where the world's headed, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, at that MIT conference, I, I met an MIT student who was 
uh, you know, so was very interested and wanted to take my class. And I'm, they're like, how much is it? And I'm like, 1500 bucks. Yeah. And they're like, 1500 bucks, that's way too much. And I'm like, well, how much do you pay to go to MIT? Yeah. Like 50,000. Yeah. Okay. And it, it's, you're right. It's like, you know, 35 weeks. So how much do you pay every week to go to MIT? About 1500 bucks. That's right. Yeah. Do you learn more in a week at MIT or learning about like this monetary protocol that could take over the world, right? Like, yeah. I think the answer is pretty clear there. Uh, it's weird how preferences are, preferences are really out of whack in terms of education. You know, people are willing to basically mortgage their entire future for a piece of paper. Yeah. College, well, but, you, know, you, hit the, you hit the nail mostly on the head, I think, when you referred to status versus practicality. But, yeah. but, you know, despite the fact you've only been running for a short term, you know, the numbers seem to speak for themselves. I mean, it, if you're well into triple digits now and the number of people that have approached you and, you know, paid for the course with a, a 98% uh, success rate, I would argue, if only two people ask for a refund. I mean, it sounds like you definitely are doing something right. So Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. Like, the thing I want to figure out how to do more in the future, there's kind of two directions I want to go. First off, you know, like when the next bull market comes, I'd like to make something that's a little bit more scalable. So like right now I offer a lot of like hands-on help. And the reason is it's just like, I think that's the best way to get started. Give a lot of hands-on help, Yeah. you know, charge a high price just to make sure that you're the people doing it are really serious. And also, you know, it's a little easier. Automating things is hard. Yes. And so it'll be, it'll be interesting if I can automate it more over the coming years and make it so, you know, maybe it's only 20 bucks or 50 bucks or something. And you could get a lot more people when the bull market comes. Right. Uh, that's one thing. I think it also, I want to work towards like, you know, helping explain it to non-technical people. Like it's, it's great to teach people programming, but you know, it's, it's unreasonable to expect the average Bitcoin host or a user to learn programming. So I'd like to learn a little bit, or I'd like to figure out how to better explain it to non-technical people. Cause I still don't think there are many good explanations. Uh, like we don't explain Bitcoin very well. I don't think we don't well, sell it very well. What I, what I found is that it is somewhat complex and it's hard to boil that down into a simple explanation, right? I mean, exactly. I, what I when when people ask me, I re, really just refer them to go on YouTube and listen to Andreas Antonopoulos <laughs> because he's, yeah. he seems to do it as, as just as well, if not better than anyone else I've heard. But, you yeah, know, I think we need we need more Andreas's. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, I believe that somebody who doesn't really get the programming side of Bitcoin being myself. But <laughs> and I, I have no problem admitting that. But, you know, we've been doing this podcast for. I don't know what sixty-three weeks now. Maybe that's what we should do: sign you up for a course, and then we'll. Well, to tell you the truth, I, I can enjoy Bitcoin without ever trying to program. I have no interest in that personally, but I do like Bitcoin. I like where it's going. I like owning some of it, but. Well, I like the concept of running your own node on a Raspberry Pi or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand any of that. So, <laughs> I like the concept of owning some Bitcoin, watching it, and hoping to God it goes up one day, and knowing I got in on something, you know, early. Yeah. Well, as long as you know you still have your Bitcoin. Absolutely right. Yes, you gotta. Yes, you gotta still have your Bitcoin. You gotta still have it in your wallet. Yeah. Yep. It's one of the kind of scary things is I, I I'm still given that I didn't expect Bitcoin to go mainstream. 
I'm still kind of haunted by the idea. Like we're right at the precipice where more mainstream non-programmer types are starting to become interested, but we haven't really crossed it, I don't think. Right. We're right there. And part of me is haunted by the idea that we'll just get stuck here and we won't be able to convince enough, you know, normal, intelligent people that this is a good idea. So I think, you know, well, a lot of work is to be done here. I, I understand, but I feel it's going to be a while before it hits mainstream. Like, yeah. I think it could even be, you know, into 10, 20 years. Sure. Um, and I'm okay with that. But to me, the fundamentals of Bitcoin just are so solid and profound. I just, I just cannot believe anything other than the fact that it will eventually become world-changing. I just don't see how it can't. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, Justin, we'd love to thank you for coming on Bitcoin Roundtable this week. We know you're extremely busy, and we appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a, it was a great conversation. If yeah. you would like to just let our listeners know how they can uh, get in touch with you, how they can follow you, that would be great. Yeah, just uh, I mean, I, I'm just pretty much only on Twitter. It's just just search Justin Moon on the search bar. I'll come up. It's Justin Moon with two underscores on both sides. Just search my just search the name and you'll find me. Uh, just send me a direct message on there. I'm quite responsive. And even if it's like, hey, you know, I you know I want to learn to code. Just send me that message and we can talk about it, right? Really? Uh, like that's that's something I'm good at helping people. Just well, I like to explain people what the risks or what the you know pros and cons of it are because. It took me a long time to learn, and so I'm, I try to be very accessible and help people with that, just just because I know it can be hard. So, uh, so yeah, just send me messages, and uh, and when you're in Austin, here's the more important thing: when you're in Austin, look look up my meetup. Come come say hi. We got a great community. <laughs> Fantastic, Justin. Thanks very much for taking the time this week. Take care. You as well. All right, Justin. Bye-bye. Bye. Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. <laughs>